Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to John's Gospel. John's Gospel, chapter 2. We're going to read into your hearing verses 1 through 5. John's Gospel, chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. As we see yet another moment into the life of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and that which he was confronted with. Amen? And uh, I'm thankful and excited, have been, ever since the Lord put these verses upon our heart, and I've looked forward to sharing them with you in the church in which I love. Amen? We continue to pray our way through this pandemic. Amen? Continue to pray our way through the high numbers that we are experiencing. I'm glad that uh, uh, God's still on the throne, and God's still in control. Amen? And continue to pray that He protect us and keep us safe. Amen. Let's stand together as we reverence God's Word. John's Gospel and chapter 2 and beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, And the third day there was a what? There was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. Ah, I like that. Every time I think about it, and every time I have the privilege and the great honor to be able to officiate in a wedding. I think about that marriage in which is to come. I think about that wedding in which is to come. When we are called up to meet the Lord in the air, amen, and we are able to be able to sit down and join together in the marriage supper of the Lamb. What a time that's going to be, amen. And that is a time and a day that is set for the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God that was slain, and for all of the church and all of the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. What a time, Barbara, that's going to be. What a celebration that's going to be. And every time that I have the privilege of being a part of such a wedding, amen, I'm mindful of that day coming. Amen. That great day coming. The Bible says that there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, What have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, What? Whatsoever he saith unto you, Do it. May the Lord add a rich blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. As we look into the Word of God this morning, this portion of Scripture, we realize, as I said already, that there was a wedding that was taking place. This was a wedding, and apparently from the Scriptures, it was a wedding of much to do. It was a what we would call today a large wedding. 
Whenever I sit down, Bruce, with a, a bride and a groom and we're talking about in, in the premarital uh, ceremony and we're talking about the ceremony itself, I always kind of like to get a feel, amen, uh, of how large a wedding it's going to be, amen. And so you can, say, you can understand that from the scriptures uh, that this was a pretty big wedding. It was a large event, if you will. And they were many called guests, invited guests, amen, unto this wedding. In fact, the Bible points out that Jesus himself, as well as that of his disciples, uh, are invited guests unto this wedding. They didn't just show up. They were there by invitation. And that the mother of Jesus and Jesus and his disciples are attending this time of celebration. This time of great joy. This event that is taking place. But the Bible identifies to us that there is a problem. Always hate it when there's a problem. Don't you? Amen. There is a problem that exists within the wedding. The Bible tells us that they have ran out of wine. They have run out of drink. I want to build the stage for just a moment so that we can kind of understand this. You have this large number of family and friends that are invited guests unto this wedding. And they have ran out of wine. There is no drink for all of the guests. Now, I don't know who's at fault. Amen. I don't know if it was the planning committee. I don't know if it was the deacons. But somebody was at fault. Somebody didn't make proper preparations uh, for the number of guests that was invited uh, to this particular wedding. A time that was supposed to be celebrated. A time that was supposed to be happy. And now there is this large problem that is looming within the wedding feast. I want to talk for just a moment about this because I believe that it gives unto us some great lessons in which we need to learn and we need to understand. And the first thing that I want to be able to point out, and the first thing that I, I want to talk about is that whenever there is a problem, we are the world's worst of not being willing to admit that there is a problem. As I think about this scripture and I think about this event, and, and though it doesn't really play out as what I'm drawing upon now, but I, I want you to think about that we are a lot like that, amen, and that whenever there is a problem, we first wrestle within ourselves to even admitting that a problem exists. 101 on problem solving is you first got to admit that a problem exists. And we as a people generally don't want to identify that there's a problem. Oh, we fine. Amen. We just happy-go-lucky people. Ain't no problems here. 
We're doing okay. Amen. And we do everything we can to, to not admit that there is an elephant in the room and that there is a real problem that exists. Amen. We are the worst at that and we don't want to face it. So we put on our happy faces and we march around in our lives like there is no problem. I want to get real for just a little while, if you will allow me to do so. And as the old question is, what is your problem? Amen. What is your problem? I dare say that Everyone that is listening, and we appreciate those that might be joining by social media or by FM radio, and certainly you that is attending into the house of God, but we appreciate each one of you. But I dare say that everybody has at least one problem that exists within our life. Something that we may have been reluctant to admit, but it exists. Amen. And many of us have more than one. We have multiple problems that exist or, or, or multiple problems uh, that, that is going on and happening within our lives. And, and so we just simply want to spend just a moment before the rest of the sermon's going to mean anything, uh, simply trying to identify what that problem is. Amen? And I dare say that we all have it. Stop trying to deny it. And stop trying to deny that there is a problem that exists. Amen. Those of us that are married, amen, if we don't want to identify it, usually our spouse will, amen. But somebody, amen, will make it known. There was a problem within this great event that was taking place that needed to be addressed and needed to be solved. Something had to be done. It couldn't just be ignored. Amen. And I want to pay attention for just a moment to the response of Mary. Amen. Uh, to the response uh, of what takes place here within these scriptures. It's one thing, listen, it's one thing when you have a problem that is in your life. It's another thing when that problem becomes public. Woo! <laughs> when the problem that you so desperately tried to deny existed, all of a sudden becomes public news. Now we're getting there. Took me a little while. In other words... It's out in the open. The cat's out of the bag. Amen. And now that everybody is aware that a problem exists. Everybody is talking about it. Everybody's drawing their own conclusions about it. Amen. Everybody's making their own mind up about it. Amen. And so it becomes now a bigger problem, a bigger issue. Mary and the response of Mary is one that I love. 
Mary goes to Jesus. And I want us to draw just a few things from what takes place here between her and Jesus because I think if, I know you've heard sermons on this before, but I think you're going to be uh, pleasantly surprised as we begin to unfold this. Whenever there is a problem, and I don't care what the problem is, Jesus is the first place and first source in which we should go. Amen? Give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. He is the first place and the first source in which we are to go. Thank God for those who respond, amen, in proper light to those who respond in the right way when there is a problem that exists. And even though it may not, now listen to me, even though it may not be your problem, it may be somebody else's problem and it's just become public and you've heard about it, amen. Don't pick up the telephone and and start spreading it all over the family. Amen. Uh, go to Jesus. Amen. Approach him. Mary goes that she might have just a little talk with Jesus. Amen. Oh, I love that song. Just a little talk with Jesus. We should have the same response as that of, as that of Mary. And in verse three, it says, and when they wanted wine, the problem existed. Everybody was aware of the problem. It was a public problem. And Mary, listen, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, they have no wine. I thought about that. In fact, I, I spent I spent a few hours, and I've spent a great deal of time since thinking about that. She goes to Jesus, and she says to Jesus these simple words. They have no wine. She don't make a big deal out of it. She doesn't over-exaggerate. I don't sense a, 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 a purpose of panic within her voice. Amen. I don't see none of this. Oh, Lord, what are we going to do now? Amen. She just simply goes to Jesus and utters those four words. They have no wine. We call it, in our times, in our day, we call it making a mountain out of a, what? Yeah. We like making mountains out of nothing. Amen. And the more we talk about it, the bigger the mountain comes. And the more people we talk to, the bigger the mountain comes. She wasn't doing any of that. She wasn't going to allow herself to be in any part of that. She just simply goes to Jesus, the source in whom she needed to go to, and simply states, they have no wine. Well, Jesus has a response for her as Mary comes. And as Mary just calmly states to him 
Well, the problem that he was already just as aware of as anybody else attending this wedding. And Jesus has an interesting response. And I want to focus on that for just a moment. But I don't want to focus on what Jesus said. I want to focus on what he didn't say. Are you with me? Jesus, remember this is a mother of Jesus and he's, he's addressing her, her, her response to the wedding's problem. And Jesus says to her in verse 4, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Now, I've preached on that before, and we could skip lunch today and me preaching on that again. But according to the Scriptures, that's all it says. Are you with me? That's all he says. You ever prayed to Jesus and got a response from him that made you kind of look like that? It really didn't have anything to do with addressing the problem that was existing at this wedding which needed immediate attention, Jesus just simply said, what have I to do? It's not why I'm here. It's not my purpose yet. My hour has not come. It's on the way, but it has not come. And so, what I want you to focus on is that Jesus said nothing to her. He gave her no indication whatsoever that he was going to do anything about the problem that existed. Not one word. He didn't say, already on it. Already on it. Go back and tell the guests that help is on the way. He didn't give her any promise whatsoever that he was going to do anything about the problem that she just laid before him, which he was already aware of. Not one word of promise that he would do anything about the situation. Amen? I find that very interesting. And what I find even more interesting is what Mary did in her next response. She took what Jesus said and she took the message that Jesus gave her without any promise whatsoever, without any hint that he was going to do anything to fix the problem. And Mary turns to the servants in verse 5. Watch this. His mother saith unto the servants... Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. <laughs> based on what Jesus said to her, based on the message that Jesus gave to her, Mary turns around, leaves the presence of Jesus, and turns to the servant's of the wedding and says whatsoever 
he saith unto you, just do it. He didn't say anything about doing anything. Amen? Not one word about doing anything. But Mary turns to those servants and says, I don't know what he's going to do, but he's going to do something. And whatever he tells you to do, just do it. You can sit down and say, that's life of living with Jesus. That's life of walking with Jesus. That's life of understanding and knowing who Jesus is. That Jesus could not just turn away and do nothing. That Jesus could not just simply say, oh, well, it's not my problem. She, in her heart, knew that he would do something most. She didn't know what because he didn't give it to her. He didn't even hint toward it. So she had nothing to go on whatsoever. And so that's the message she carried back to the servants. I don't know what he's going to do, but I know that he is going to do something. And whatever he says to do, I want you to do it. I want to focus for just a moment on that word whatsoever. We, we read it all the time in the Word of God, but the Word is whatsoever. And Mary says to those servants uh, that whatsoever Jesus says. In other words, I looked that up, and I love looking words up. You think, well, preacher, you ought to know what that meant. Well, it's still fun to look it up. Amen. And I looked it up, and it simply gave me the meanings that anything, everything, all included, whatever spoken, every word. And so when Mary turns to these servants, that's exactly what she is saying. Listen, anything he says, whatever he says, every word that he says, you do it. You do it. There's a great truth that that verse and that command speaks unto us and unto all of us. Mary was saying, look, I, I, I can't tell you what he's going to do. I can't tell you what he's going to say, but whatever it is, don't question it. Don't wrestle with it. Don't doubt it. Just do it. Isn't it for those of us that spend time living life and trying to do what Jesus asks of us and trying to do what Jesus instructs us to do. Isn't it oftentimes that what Jesus says makes no sense? When you really try to think about it, when you really try to analyze it, it's like difficult, difficult. I can recall times in my life when Jesus clearly spoke and Jesus clearly said things that simply made no sense. When I was praying last night before I went to bed, I, 
I got to thinking and reflecting on moments in my life and moments in, in the ministry. Key moments. Key moments. I want you to listen. I want you to listen real close. Jesus saved you for a purpose. A great purpose. Don't ever allow the devil to minimize your purpose of God's grace saving you. It may be for a few moments of your life. It may be one great moment. One shining moment. In the divine order of God. That God saved you for that moment. Amen? I wouldn't want to miss that for anything in the world, would you? But if I refuse to listen and allow Him to speak and direct my life and command to me whatsoever, then I'm going to miss it. I'll give you an example, a personal example. This happened some time back. And I know that the brother won't mind me, but I was working at, at, at the meal one day in this early morning, and I had this busy day, a busy schedule, several things that needed to get done that day. And the Lord began to impress upon my heart that I needed to go to Forsyth Hospital and visit one Jimmy McCraw, Pastor Jimmy McCraw. Back then, Jimmy's daughter was deathly sick within the hospital. And we'd been praying for Jimmy and his family for quite some time. But God put upon my heart that morning to leave and travel to that hospital. And that's really what was it. All the details, Alan, that I had, that was it. And of course, like so many of us, I'm like, Lord, I got off a busy day. I got a lot of important things, Lord, on, on the plate today. But I couldn't get away from it. It was clear. It was apparent that that was God's will and God's moment for me to travel. I just told Sandy and I told my dad, I said, look, I got to go to Forsyth Hospital. I got somebody I need to see and I left. And I get to that hospital. And I find one Jimmy McCraw in the chapel praying, begging God to send somebody. Send somebody. He and I share that testimony. To God be the glory. He was having just a really tough morning. This was his daughter. Whatsoever he saith. Church, I, I'm real close to being done. But within that statement of Mary, 
is the great dividing line that exists in every church. I want to speak to just believers, to just Christians. Because in that statement of Mary to those servants, that whatsoever he saith, just do it. Divides many people. You have within the church those that would be willing to do whatever he commanded. He ain't going to ask you to do nothing wrong. Amen? But you have those within the church that are that open, that willing, and that committed that whatsoever he said, I will do it. And then you have those in the church that well, I just want to attend. I just want to sit on my pew. I'm going to take in the preaching and the singing. But don't ask me to do anything. We started out this sermon talking about problems. Problems will always be a part of life. The Bible even reminds us that we're born into trouble. You're going to always experience trouble. So long as we're on this earth. One day we won't be here anymore and trouble will cease to be. Amen? Give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah to that. But so long as we're on this earth, there'll always be problems. Many people continue to go through and live the same problems over and over and over. The same battles over and over and over. And there's a reason. And the reason is, is because they're not willing to do whatsoever he saith. Amen? There's no problem you have that he can't solve. Amen? There is no problem that we have that could exist that Jesus cannot solve and that Jesus is not the answer. The only question is, are we willing to do whatsoever He commands? And many times the problem continues to exist and rear its ugly head because we're not willing. We're not willing. As they come and get an invitational song ready for us this morning, and as we stand all over the house of God for just a moment, we think about what the Word of God has said, and we think about this Scripture for just a moment. While every head's bowed and every eye's closed for just a moment, and we prepare for invitational song, all heads bowed and every eye closed, I've asked you this morning to identify the problem or problems that exist within your life. And in closing this morning, I'm going to ask you, do you truly believe that Jesus is the answer 
to every problem within your life. And then I'm going to ask, are you the type of believer that whatsoever he saith, whatsoever he commands, whatsoever he speaks, every word, everything, anything, are you willing to just do it? It don't make sense. I don't understand it. It don't even seem to fit. But I'm just going to do it. Amen? I'm happy to be able to preach. I'm happy to be able to say that Jesus has the solution. And Jesus has the answer. He did for this wedding. And I didn't even get to that. Now, I hadn't forgot the vision yet or the, the dream that I still got to get to. I had some young kids to question me about. Talked all about his, his, his vision, but you never gave the real interpretation. And I got some things to get to. But I guarantee you this much on the authority of God's word and by experience. Jesus has a word for you just like he did for them. Jesus had a command for them, and he has a command for you. Are you willing to follow it? Are you willing to hear it? Whatever the need might be, we're going to open this altar all in the house of God. If you need to be saved and give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, no greater day than today, whatever the need might be, whatever prayer request you might have as they sing.